All right, if your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter number 40. Genesis chapter 40. And as you're turning there, certainly appreciate Preston uh, stepping up and leading singing this week. Uh, Brenton is out of town, and uh, I, I'm sure a lot of people are, are traveling and out of town here and there and visiting family and such. And uh, so I certainly appreciate him uh, filling that, uh, that uh, space for us and leading singing. And Genesis chapter number 40. And if you could go ahead and mute the monitors, I'd appreciate it. That'd be wonderful. I don't like to hear myself, and, uh, and so Genesis chapter number 40. We're going to continue our lesson on, on Joseph the seer, really, and uh, we've looked at, uh, in the past, we were, we've gone over the life of Joseph for several weeks now. We looked at Joseph as the son. We looked at Joseph as the slave when he was uh, serving Potiphar. We've looked at Joseph and the scandal that took place uh, when Potiphar's wife, of course, accused him uh, of things that he did not do, and Joseph's righteousness really stood out. And this week, we're going to look at Joseph as the seer. And so it's been a couple weeks since we've looked at it. We paused and did some uh, Christmas lessons. We looked at Joseph, uh, Mary's uh, husband, and, uh, and looked at his life. And uh, we're going to go back to the Old Testament, Joseph, and uh, continue with our series that we've been on with him and look at him as, as the seer. And the seer means simply this, prophet. And so uh, we're going to look at his life. And there's many lessons that can be learned from the life of Joseph. Uh, and as we look at his life and look at the visions that he saw and the prophecy that he saw, uh, there's a lot of lessons that can be pulled from them. And I want to say this, I say it uh, almost every time, uh, because there's so much confusion today. And many people think that, well, you got to see visions from God. Uh, listen, God dealt with people in the Old Testament. Uh, before his word was completed with visions and with uh, audible voice and many times uh, with, with other ways of, of things of communicating to mankind. Uh, but, but with the completed word of God, we no longer have the need of visions. We have the completed word of God. By the way, for the record, I would rather have it written down than have a vision that I can't remember all the details to and gets foggy with time. With the Word of God, I can go back and I can review what did he say. Now, what did he say in John 3, 16? Oh, yeah, that he loves the world. What did he say in Hebrews 13, 5? Oh, yeah, that he would not leave me and forsake me. And so it's good for me to be able to go back and review those things and know that they are written down and I can review them and know beyond any shadow of a doubt what he has said in his word. So, uh, so they did not have that in the Old Testament. They didn't have the benefit of having God's completed word. Many times, especially as we read, uh, they... they they would not have all of it written down. Uh, and so it's very interesting to, to remember that, but also understand and realize that God did deal with mankind through visions, sometimes through visits of angels, sometimes through uh, audible uh, voice and, and things uh, of that nature that he would talk with people. So as we would look at this, remember that uh, as we look at Joseph the seer. Genesis chapter number 40 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that the butler 
of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers, against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in ward. Verse number five, and they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. Let's stop right there and, uh, and let's have a, a word of prayer. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you again for the privilege, the opportunity that we have to be in your house. God, I pray that you would bless each and every one of the classes as they're meeting and teaching. And God, I pray that you would just be with our class as we go over the life of Joseph. Father, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart as only you can. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, uh, I want to go back, and I pointed this out before, but I want to point it out again because I believe it's, uh, it's very interesting. In verse number four, uh, well, actually, before we even get there, uh, let's go back and just kind of review a little bit really quickly. You know the scandal that took place uh, that, that uh, Potiphar's wife had accused Joseph uh, of, of trying to rape her, and, uh, and of course, that was totally opposite of what was true. She was actually trying to get uh, Joseph to, uh, to sleep with him, and, and he was like, no, and he fled, the Bible says. He left, uh, and, and it was like she grabbed onto his coat, and he left his coat and went running, and so while she had his coat, she invented this whole story and, uh, and caused for Joseph to be thrown into jail. Now, I remember Potiphar was the captain of the guard of the king. So uh, he was in charge of all those that would guard the king, and therefore uh, he was effectively kind of in charge of the prison as well. And I did not notice this. Uh, I pointed this out last time because uh, I read it elsewhere, but it was very interesting. In verse number 4 of Genesis chapter number 40, the Bible says this, and the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. So now you have the butler and the baker. They've offended the Pharaoh, the king, and he's had them thrown in prison. So where does he send them? To the captain of the guard. The captain of the guard then puts them in prison. And you'll notice in verse number four that the captain of the guard uh, charged Joseph with them. In other words, he said, Joseph, you're in charge of the butler and of the baker. Now, who was the captain of the guard? That was Potiphar. You go back to chapter 39, and you'll find that uh, in verse number 1, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him in the hands of the, bought him in the hands of the Ishmaelites. So we find that Potiphar was actually the captain of the guard. And in chapter 40, in verse number 4, uh, this was pointed out, brought out, and I don't know, but uh, I think there's probably some validity to the fact that, hey, Potiphar recognized how good Joseph really was. And perhaps Potiphar did not even believe that Joseph was guilty of all the things that he was charged with. Though he did have him thrown in prison, we find that, uh, that he did also put him in charge 
uh, of, of the baker and the butler. So he still thought highly of Joseph. And I just found that interesting uh, as that was brought to my attention elsewhere. So I just thought I'd point that out again uh, because it's a very interesting point. But as we look at this, the first thing I want us to notice about Joseph is the position of Joseph. And when I say position, I mean his attitude towards all that has taken place. Now, could you imagine, put yourself for a moment in Joseph's shoes. I mean, you're talking about a life of ups and a life of downs. Here he is in his father's house, and God has given him a dream and said, hey, uh, you know, all your brethren, they're going to bow down to you, and you're going to be at the top. And he's thinking, man. Uh, And really, he was in a place of service at the top with his father, uh, checking on his brethren and kind of keeping an eye on things and in a management position, if you could say it that way, and things were going well. And all of a sudden, his brothers, boom, uh, throw him in a den, and uh, the Ishmaelites come along, and they sell him off. And all of a sudden, Joseph goes from being at the very top to the very bottom. And he's sold into slavery. Now, that's not an enjoyable position, you could imagine. And, uh, and here he goes in, and now he finds himself at the very bottom rung and has to work his way up. But of course, God was with him, and he works his way all the way up, uh, only to be a falsely accused uh, by Potiphar's wife and thrown in jail. Boom, all the way back down. This sounds like a game of shoots and ladders, doesn't it? Uh, man, you climb all the way to the top and you slide all the way back to the bottom. And, uh, and that's where Joseph was in his life. And you could imagine uh, his, his, how he would feel. I mean, uh, put yourself in his shoes. But yet Joseph has a wonderful attitude. And, uh, and you can see throughout his life his passion to serve. And so his attitude is that of a servant. Look with me, go back with me to Genesis chapter 37 and verse number 13. And when Joseph is a son, he says to his father, Joseph 37, 14, And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with thy flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. That's not the verse I was looking for, the verse before it. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send, unto, send thee unto them. And he said unto him, Here am I. Here's Joseph. Uh, what, a, what a servant's attitude. Dad, if that's what you want me to do, go check on my brethren. That's what I'll do. Uh, somebody who's just willing to serve. Look with me to chapter 39 and verse number 4. We find the same idea. Uh, he is now in Potiphar's house. And in chapter 39 and verse 4, And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. We find that Joseph uh, made his way uh, serving other people. He served his father. He served Potiphar. Uh, chapter 40 in our text, in verse number 8, we find that now he's been put in charge of, uh, of, of uh, the butler and the baker, and he's been fulfilling those responsibilities. But look with me in verse number 8. And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. We see Joseph's uh, willingness to serve both the butler and the baker. 
They had their dreams as they were there in prison, uh, their visions as they were, were sleeping, and they did not understand what they meant. And so uh, they were talking about it, and Joseph said, hey, uh, listen, God in heaven uh, is able to interpret those dreams. By the way, uh, just a note of interest, that's the same thing that Daniel said. Uh, when one of the kings had a vision. And, uh, and he said, I don't understand it. And, and Daniel said, hey, there's a God in heaven uh, that's able to interpret dreams. And so we find that Joseph has made himself a servant to every place that he has been with his father, with Potiphar, here in prison. He looks for opportunity to serve other people. What a great example uh, in the life of Joseph. Listen, sometimes there's hindrance to services. Um, what's some of the hindrances? What are some of the reasons people don't serve? Well, bad past experience. So I tried that once. Let me say something. Joseph could have used that excuse. Man, I tried serving once. I served my brothers. I was Czech. I was serving my father. Man, I, see where that got me? Uh, my brothers sold me into slavery. They hated me. He goes to Potiphar's house. Man, he's serving. That's all he's doing. He's serving and serving and serving. And, and, and what happens? He's falsely accused and thrown in jail. He could have said, man, I'm done with this. Uh, you know, I, I, served, I served in my father's house and I served in, in Potiphar's house. And every time I serve, uh, people are just stabbing me in the back and they're, 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 they're destroying me. He said, I'm done. And he could have said, I'm not serving anymore. But we see a life of service in Joseph. And he was busy serving. Uh, and he didn't use the excuse of bad past experience. Did he have them? Well, he certainly did. Uh, there was certainly some bad experience. There was certainly some mistreatment. There was certainly uh, lowly work involved in the servanthood that Joseph displayed. But Jesus, I would remind you, said in Matthew 23, 11, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. What a great truth. And we see this in the life of Joseph in his passion to serve. Not only his passion to serve, but I want you to notice as well in the life of Joseph as his attitude, his position is displayed, not just his passion to serve, but his patience to serve. You, you could preach an entire message just on the patience of Joseph. You really could. Uh, Genesis chapter number 40. Uh, of course, he's here in prison. And, and we'll fast forward through the story. He basically interprets both of the butler's dreams and the baker's dreams, and those come to pass. And we find in verse number 14, look at what he says. Uh, Genesis 40, 14. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon." So we find Joseph's here in jail and he's saying, listen, after he interprets the, uh, the butler's dream, he says, hey, listen, uh, he said, I want you to, uh, to remember me and, and mention me in front of the Pharaoh and let him know that I'm here without a cause. I haven't done anything wrong. And, and, uh, and he's saying, hey, uh, don't forget me. You might know this, but go to the end of the chapter, verse, chapter 40 and verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forgot him. In other words, the butler had a dream, 
and he would be restored to his position. And that's what Joseph said to him. And Joseph said, hey, when you're restored, remember me and let Pharaoh know that I've not done anything wrong and, and just all I want is free. I want to go back home. That's all he wanted. And we find that the butler was restored very soon thereafter. And, uh, and the Bible says here in verse 23, it makes specific mention of the fact that the, the, the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Go on to chapter 41 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. Now imagine Joseph... Man, you, you, sent him, you sent the butler back to Pharaoh's house. I mean, what better advocate could you have than sending his chief butler all the way back to his house to, to intercede for you to say, man, he's innocent. This guy's a good guy. Uh, he interpreted my, my dreams. And, uh, and man, he's a great guy. But the Bible makes specific mention of the fact that the butler forgot about Joseph. And then the Bible goes on in chapter 41 and verse 1 for two full years. I imagine the first week, Joseph's thinking, he's working on it. He just hasn't had opportunity to mention it to Pharaoh. Maybe the first month, well, maybe Pharaoh's deliberating about what to do. Maybe there's investigation going on, and, 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 and maybe, you know, it's still going to get resolved. And, and that month would drag into three months, and he's saying, man, I, I wonder if I'm ever going to get out of here. That was my prime opportunity. I mean, I had an ear, an audience direct to Pharaoh, uh, the king of Egypt, and, and, uh, and I'm still sitting here, and six months would drag on, and one full year would go by, and, and I kind of would imagine that, that maybe Joseph was thinking at this point, well, I guess I'm just serving in the prison for the rest of my life. And that I'm not going to have an opportunity to go anywhere. I don't know exactly what he's thinking because the Bible does not tell us. But what would you be thinking in those circumstances? How would you feel? And Joseph and his patience is remarkable through the entire thing, really. Even the fact that he had served as a slave and, uh, and, and, and gone through the entire scandal and he's still uh, trying to serve the Lord. And what an incredible uh, message on the patience to serve. God's timing is never late. Think of this. What would have happened? Now, I know God can do anything. That's not, that's not the thing. But what would have happened? Uh, just put yourself in, 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 in this situation for a minute. That uh, the butler does remember. And he goes to Pharaoh and says, Hey, uh, listen, there's a guy in jail, innocent guy. And, uh, and, and he said, he needs to be released from jail. And Pharaoh says, Okay, done. Boom. And Joseph is released. And Joseph now, boom, wanders back to, to his homeland, to his father. And we don't know. You can play what if all day. I realize that and I know that. But I do think this, God did have a purpose for keeping him there. And God had a purpose for, for putting him at the right time, at the right place, at the right moment. And I'm just saying that, uh, that Joseph was very patient, waiting on God and waiting on God's timing. Uh, listen, there's lots of examples in the Bible about waiting. You can go... I just jotted down a few. You could go over and over with many people. But what about Abraham and Sarah? They technically waited too long to have a child. They were not able to have children. But yet God gave them children. What about Moses who waited 80 years before he led uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt? That's waiting quite a while. 
John the Baptist waited 30 years before he began ministering. Uh, and, and he had a very short ministry to introduce and make the path of Jesus known to everyone else. What about Elijah as he waited by the brook Cherith? And I'm just saying the Bible gives us lots and lots of examples and lots of places and times that we are to wait on the Lord. And the Bible says in Psalms 27, 14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. And it goes on, it says, wait, I say, on the Lord. And oftentimes I say, I, I love this verse. This is not one of those verses that I love. I'll be honest with you. It's one of those verses that, uh, that I don't like when the Lord brings it to my mind. And it says in there two times, wait on the Lord. And we are not patient people by nature. We do not like to wait. And yet Joseph was patient to serve the Lord. And listen, sometimes we need patience in serving the Lord. Sometimes we've got to be patient in our situation and patient through the hardship and patient through uh, whatever position and whatever place that God brings us to. And so we can see the position of Joseph, his attitude was that of a good servant, was that of a patient servant, and that of somebody who had a good attitude with God. Look with me now at the predictions of Joseph. We're not going to read it for sake of time, but back in Genesis 40... And verse 9 all the way down through 22, he covers all of the dreams. And um, look with me real quick. We'll just kind of look at the dream of the butler there in chapter 40, verse 9. The Bible says, And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were, were, were three branches, and it was... and." It was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, here's the interpretation. And Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. So the butler has this dream. And Joseph interprets it and says, hey man, good news. You're at three days, uh, you're going to be restored to your position where you are. Now I could imagine then the, the, the baker was saying, and that was good. I'm going to tell him my dream too. Now he doesn't know it's, it's not so good. Matter of fact, it's pretty bad. Um, look with me there in verse number eight, verse number 16. Then the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good. He said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there was all, of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. Here's the interpretation. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. Well, that's not such a good interpretation. 
and, uh, and we find that, oh man, that's certainly bad. Uh, if you were to read down through there, verses 20 down through 22, you'd find that both of those things, just as Joseph had said, had come to pass. And they happened just like it was. And listen, that's a, uh, uh, certainly a note that Joseph was a prophet of God. The, the Bible says in Jeremiah 28, 9, the prophet which prophesieth of peace when the, Lord, uh, when the word of the Lord... Excuse me, let me start all over. The prophet which prophesieth of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. In other words, the prophecy that was given, uh, when it is verified, then they'll know, oh, this guy is of the Lord. And, uh, and Joseph uh, certainly gives those interpretations, and the Bible shows that, hey, those things took place just as he said. And so we see Joseph in the prison uh, and giving his predictions, and we find that uh, they were just, it's a mark of a true prophet, and they were just as he said. But we find also not only that prediction in the prison, but there's also a prediction in the palace. Look with me in chapter 41 and verse 1. We read that already, but we'll reread it. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind, kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke and behold, it was a dream. And so we see that Pharaoh has a dream. And, uh, and, and look at with me in verse 4 or verse 5 uh, that he awoke. Actually, at the end of verse number 4, he awoke there. And, uh, and we find out that, listen, sometimes dreams can be uh, troubling. And sometimes the Word of God can really be troubling to unbelievers. Pharaoh was not a, a Christian and, uh, and, and certainly not a, uh, somebody who, who believed in the Hebrew God and followed the Hebrew God. And so this was certainly troubling to him. And so verse 9, uh, he seeks help. The Bible says there in verse number 9, Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servant and put me in a ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he, and, he, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with, a, with us a young man and Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams, to each man according to his dream he did, he did interpret. And so we find that, uh, that, one more verse there, and it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was, I just read that note, uh, 
we'll finish that verse. Me he restored unto my office, and him he hanged. Verse 14, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And so we find that uh, Pharaoh, seeing this dream, he was troubled. And he awoke and he was unsure of it. And, uh, and then he seeks help and he's saying, hey, we've got to find somebody that can, uh, that can interpret this dream for me and, and explain what is going on. And, and certainly, listen, uh, the world does not understand the communication that God is giving to the world. They need somebody to help them. Um, they need somebody to help uh, give out the Word of God. And listen, what an important part uh, of our responsibility to give out the Word of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man, that would be somebody who's not saved, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Listen, as a Christian, we go through this world with our eyes wide open. And you watch the news and you read your Bible and you say, man, uh, is, this the, is this the end times? And I, I would say, hey, we very well could be living in the end times. There's nothing keeping the Lord from coming today or tomorrow or the following day. And so we certainly could be in the end times. Uh, but I'm just saying we recognize that and we understand that the world they don't. Many times they live in fear, saying, man, the sun's going to burn out. You know, what if, what if an asteroid hits Earth and knocks us off, off course? And, and that's seriously, that's why they're developing all this space stuff and all of this. They're trying to uh, figure out how can man exist without Earth and without the sun and, and how can we do all these things? And they're trying to solve their own problems in a very humanistic, man-made effort, ignorant of what God's plan is and ignorant of how God's going to handle everything. But as a Christian, as somebody who's born, uh, born again and saved, listen, we know, hey, that trumpet's going to sound. We're going to be out of here. We'll watch it all, but we'll be gone. Praise the Lord for that. And we'll not, we're, our hope and our, uh, our, our comfort is not here in this earth, but it's in heaven and it's in God and it's in Jesus Christ. And we certainly thank the Lord for that, that we have a good understanding of that. And we know those things. But as Pharaoh was looking at this and he was looking at uh, God's warning him in a dream, he was very troubled by it. He didn't understand what it meant and he was unsure of what was going to take place. Look with me there in verse number uh, 32. Well, go to verse number 25, chapter 41 and verse 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years and the seven good years are seven years and the dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come, verse 29, behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of 
that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass." Uh, what an interesting verse as we, we read those and the interpretation, all of that. And God is clearly showing Pharaoh, hey, that there's going to be seven prosperous years and seven famine years. And he's given him a warning. And we see uh, really the graciousness of God to say, hey, you're going to run into some troubled days ahead and you better get prepared. There's coming good days and you better set aside from all of those good days because there's coming days uh, that are going to be very lean and very difficult. And so God is very gracious even to warn Pharaoh, somebody who does not believe in him, uh, about the oncoming uh, problems that will be in his land. And it was certainly established from God. And certainly uh, this interpretation helped Pharaoh. And, uh, and he was at peace understanding, oh, this is what's going to take place. And so we see the, uh, the predictions of Joseph. We see the position of Joseph. I want you to see as well the last thing, the pleas of Joseph. Look with me. Uh, he has several pleas there. First of all, he, he had pleas that he gave to the butler. Look with me at verse number 14 back in chapter 40. After he interpreted the dreams of the butler... He had several pleas to him. He says here in verse number 14, But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. His first plea is, hey, think on me. Hey, don't forget about me, which is exactly... Consequently, what the butler did, he said, uh, uh, he said, I want you to be in mind. Now, remember that Joseph really is a picture of Christ and uh, he, he's a, uh, a type of Christ, not, a, not an exact. He certainly is not Christ, but he, he is a type of Christ. And I find it interesting there as he says this, uh, he says, think on me. Listen, the Bible says that we ought to meditate on the Lord. We ought to think on him. That's just an interesting parallel that you can draw out of that verse. And, and we ought to uh, take time to meditate on God, meditate on His Word. And I know we live in a busy society. And, uh, and I know that sometimes it's hard to find time that's quiet. But listen, uh, along with our Bible reading, you ought to get time alone and just, uh, just, just find a spot that you're on your own, that you can have peace and quiet and read the Word of God and think about the Word of God and say, what does this mean to me? What is God trying to speak to me? And, and, and how it, what is God trying to say? And, and what is God trying to teach me in my life? And meditate and think about the Word of God. I was reminded this week, I was driving back and forth, and I drive right by Freshmark. And, uh, of course, across from Freshmark is a field, and it goes back into a housing development. And in that field, there was a, a, a well-cut trail and somebody, obviously, maybe a few people, work from, from back in that, uh, that housing area. Uh, they walk to work and they cut across that field. And if you drive by there, you'll see it. It's a, it's a well-cut path. And I, I, I saw that, and I was reminded of a story I'd heard so many years ago about a missionary in Africa. And, uh, and, and there was this African village, and they lived in these little huts, and they weren't very big, and, and, and so there was really nowhere to go. I mean, could you imagine having a family of, uh, we'll, we'll make it small, okay? We won't even, I won't even throw you into my life of a family of eight, but uh, we'll say you have a family of, of even two or, or three uh, or four 
my mouth doesn't match my fingers, people in one hut. And where do you go and think of a one-room house? Where do you go in a one-room house to get away from people? Well, they couldn't. And so what they started doing is they would go out behind their hut and they would, they would go out to the woods and they'd find a quiet place uh, that they could be by themselves and just read their Bible and pray. And one of the, uh, you know, they would do that so regularly and go to the same place that they would actually make a trail for where they were going. And you could tell. One time, uh, one of the, one of the uh, people in that village was, was having difficulty in his life, and he was struggling, and, and, uh, and uh, one of the other natives commented about his life and said, well, I noticed that your trail, where you used to go and read your Bible, is all overgrown. And you're not going back and reading your Bible like you used to do. And you're not going to your quiet time with the Lord. And that's caused probably the problems in your life. And we see that Joseph would, would, uh, would ask him to, hey, m think on me. Listen, God asks us certainly to meditate on him and to think about him. He goes on in verse number 14 and he says, show kindness unto me. And listen, that's kind of like our service to God, that we would serve God with our life. Not only that we would think about him, but then we would actually put those thoughts into action and serve the Lord as well with our life and with our hands and with our uh, strength and with what we have. We would take and be able to serve the Lord. And then he goes on in verse number 14 and he says this, make mention of me. He says, listen, I don't want you just to think about me and I don't want you just to show kindness to me. He's like, I want you to actually open your mouth and tell Pharaoh that I'm here and that I, I want to get out of this jail. Listen, that's similar to uh, us making mention of the Lord Jesus Christ to those around us. And listen, it's one thing to think about him. It's one thing to serve him. We ought to do those two things. But we ought to open our mouth and make mention of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he's changed our life to other people and let them know that, hey, they too can know a Savior. And so we look at these and we just see these as, as Joseph being a type. Uh, and, and certainly he was asking for, uh, to be, uh, for, for, for the butler to remember him and to make mention of him to Pharaoh. But then we see not only the pleas of Joseph for, for this, but the, uh, the plan for preservation. Go with me to fast forward to chapter 41 and verse 33. After Pharaoh's been, uh, had his dream, he's given it to Joseph. Joseph has given him the interpretation. We see here in verse number 33, the Bible says, this is Joseph speaking, Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a wise man, discreet, and wise, excuse me, he said, a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in seven plenteous years. And he's saying, listen, you need to find somebody who's wise. You need to find somebody who is fitting and discreet for this position. Joseph was not one to toot his own horn. He was not saying, well, you know what, man, I'm, I'm your guy. I, I can fill this position. No, he, he was saying, look, at Pharaoh, here's what you're going to have to do. 
You need to find somebody who's discreet. You've got to find the right man for this job. You've got to find somebody who's wise and knows what they're doing. Uh, he didn't, Joseph didn't tell Pharaoh to pick his best friend or pick somebody that was uh, close to him. Uh, he said, listen, you need to find the right man for the, this job, somebody who's wise. Not only that, but look in verse 35. Well, let's read verse 34. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in seven plenteous years and let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And so he's saying, listen, you need a plan. Not only do you need somebody who's wise, but you need a, a plan that's going to be sufficient for this famine that's coming. He's saying, hey, you've got to have somebody that can set aside food. And, uh, and so Joseph was certainly uh, giving these ideas to, to Pharaoh. And we see Joseph as just a, a servant of the Lord in all of this. And how instrumental he was in not, uh, not trying to uh, elevate himself, not trying to put himself in a better position, but just trying to help solve the problem and take care of everything. And, and we certainly see that God did that and blessed. And certainly Pharaoh chose Joseph because he saw that Joseph was a wise man. He saw that Joseph was discreet. He saw that Joseph was a man that was uh, fit for that position. And, and we see that Joseph's life is an excellent example that we can learn from of patience, his attitude, uh, his, his pleas and his predictions that he gave uh, of these things. And what a, what a wonderful uh, example to us in service that Joseph was. And hopefully we can take some of these things home and apply them to our life and, and some of the things that we need to do in our lives. And uh, certainly we're not going to be prophets, uh, and, and, but certainly we can tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And help them with the word of God and say, hey, listen, uh, God died on the cross to save you from your sins. And he wants to change your life and let other people know that, hey, God loves them. And that he cares about him and he's written everything in his word. And that's one of the things that we ought to be doing as Christians. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your word, for the example that Joseph was. God, there's so many things out of the life of Joseph. We see the patience with which he served. We see the, uh, the fact that he walked with you and that he uh, would be able to interpret those dreams not, not out of pride, not out of arrogance, not out of self-will, but out of a sincere desire to help other people and serve you. God, I pray that you would help us to be servant-like as Joseph was. Even in his, every part of his life as a servant and as a seer, God, I pray that you would help us to serve you and tell others about you. God, I pray that you'd help us as we live our life to be patient in our service to you. God, I pray that you would take each and every one of these things that we've gone over and help us to apply them to our lives. And Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we'll have a short hymn of invitation.
God spoke into your heart, there's opportunity to just to pray. Maybe you need patience. Maybe you're going through a hard time. 